Hello and welcome to another episode of the Kosh Cast on underthekoshblog.com and at under underscore the Kosh on Twitter. My name is Alex. Mohanad is here. Hello, hello. Hello, Mohanad. And Bernie is here. Wagwan. Bernie sounds a bit different because he's joining us from Calgary, which is, uh, as some of you know, in the middle of nowhere where the internet is worse. Yes, very much worse. Uh, 100%. Uh, there's no infrastructure. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I mean, we joke, but it turns out it's true. Yeah, you Lost do sound the flood. far. You sound very far. I'm on I'm on a mountain, Monday. That's all they have here. So if oh. I sound very far, that's the reason. Looking for some <laughs> horse placenta with... Who is it? Alexis? Who went up there one time? The, yeah, we never Someone from... <laughs> Van Persie, was it? No, no. Someone from Inter Milan went up the mountain to get horse placenta. Sounds like yeah. a kid's nursery rhyme. Yeah, oh. Diego Costa's done it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know who doesn't need horse placenta? Manchester United. Although, oh, if there okay. were any around, they would probably pay three hundred million for it. Or, or, um, or uh, what's those things called? Puffer, those puffer things. What's it called? Inhalers. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The one, uh, the one that Vidal was hooked up on, where he was like three thousand whatever feet above. Sea level, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Anderson went, went back to Brazil. <laughs> that's it. Listen, Bernie, it's been it's been a rough few weeks, man. Uh, you, you know, at least from a footballing perspective, uh, you've been troubled. Let's say, uh, mm-hmm. are you now like a room without a roof? Are you happy? Um, I'm happy today. We'll see how how it will be in a week. Like you can't. You can't, like, in our situation right now, you can't take your happiness and extrapolate it and and predict any anything down the road. You just take it for what it is, and you move on tomorrow and be angry about something else. Likely the Cardi or something like that. I mean, that, that, sounds me. <laughs> that sounds exactly like all United fans when they protest Glazers out, and then you buy a new signing, and you're like, you know what? We can't extrapolate, <laughs> but let's just be happy right now. <laughs> I, so, yeah, is this high Casemiro? Get out, Glazers! <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely in the same day those those emotions occur. But no, fuck the Glazers and get the fuck out, and that will always be the case. So fair enough. Um, also, I suppose the happiness is tinged by the fact that Liverpool are rubbish now. So like beating them doesn't really doesn't really uh, hold as much sway as it did before. But no, listen, United were written off before this. Obviously, the first two games of the season were absolutely horrendous. Um, then you kind of had the whole like Arnautovic thing and Rabio thing, and uh, and then randomly switched your target to Casemiro and actually managed to get that one over the line. Um, I guess uh, yeah, give give us your, your reaction to the Casemiro deal because uh, there's a lot of chat about this. Good player, stupid deal. Um, it's a really good player, one of the best defensive midfielders in the game. If you want to say top three, top five, sure, whatever. We won everything maybe still has the legs to go unlike some other people that we've signed, but to give him 350k a week, whatever it is, and sign him for 60 million or 60 plus 10, I, I don't remember what the number is. It's a big commitment if he decides to flop or gets injured a lot or something like that. You're tied up and then you won't sign another DM for five years. So great player, very bad financial deal. Some people don't care about that. Let's see what happens. Mo, you were our La Liga correspondent for a while, mostly because of Messi, but you've seen more of Casemiro than us. What do you think? I think it depends on what you want in your defensive midfielder, right? Like Casemiro works when he's got a Modric and a Cruz right next to him because he's a destroyer. He's a good player, but he's more of a destroyer than like a deep-lying midfielder, right? So he'll just, he'll destroy, he'll get the ball, he'll give it to Cruz, he'll give it to Modric, they'll do their magic, and it works brilliantly for Madrid, and they've won, whatever, 15,000 new UEFA Champions Leagues in the last three years, right? Now, it depends on how United want to play. If United want to kind of do that, like how they did today, where they have a Casemiro just destroying next to, let's say, an Eriksen, and Eriksen is the is his cruise, where he just gives him the ball and he does his thing, maybe. But if they want Casemiro to kind of drop deep, receive, turn, dictate play, he's not that guy. So just make sure, you know, <laughs> unlock Casemiro, right? Just make sure he gets the right partner next to him. So it's not like, let's say, Casemiro and McTominay. That will never work. You know, even if you're trying to go defensive against a good team, that will never work because you're going to keep zero possession and you're going to make kind of zero transitions through midfield. So it has to be Casemiro. You're going to have to trust him with all the defensive work. 
and always give him a ball playing midfielder next to him. If you do that, you'll have a much better chance. I, I agree with that 100%. I agree with that. There are some rumors that we're still trying to get Frankie de Jong. And in that context, the Frankie de Jong signing makes a lot of sense if you can make it happen. I don't think so, but if you can, then a Frankie de Jong Casemiro partnership, as Mo was saying, makes a lot of sense. What some people thought the idea was in the past was that Frankie de Jong would be the deep line, playing, tackling, six, doing everything. And that never sat well with me because, like, how? <laughs> We've already seen him lose the ball in the last game as that last line. And we know that Barcelona don't play him there because he doesn't have the defensive nows and positioning of Busquets, for example, right? Like, if it didn't work in, in La Liga, it's not going to work. The Manchester United team is trying to find itself. So if they do that, great. Otherwise, as Mo said, right next to Eriksen, I can see that working pretty well. Fair enough. Ten Hag actually went with like Eriksen next to McTominay today, which like was very brave, I thought. Then we looked at Liverpool's midfield and you kind of thought, actually, <laughs> this will be fine because Liverpool's midfield is Jordan Henderson, Harvey Elliott and James Milner. Now, I understand the temptation to play James Milner because it's a big game and experience and blah, 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 blah. Henderson's been bad this season. Harvey Elliott is 19, 20. He dropped Fabinho. I know Fabinho's also been bad, but when Fabinho's bad, at least he gives you physicality and, you know, some defense. Whereas Henderson was just bad again. It I, led to the second, like his mistake led to the second goal. I, it just, this felt like a, a bad selection from Jurgen Klopp I'll, right I'll be, the beginning. I'll, I'll be honest, and this is not an exaggeration. You will struggle to find the worst starting midfield in the Premier League, let's call it the top 15. Like, forget the names. Henderson, Milner, Elliot. Elliot can turn into a wonderful player. But the first 20, 30 minutes of this game, we were talking, he was scared. He was scared. And he has the right to be. It's at Old Trafford, blah, blah, blah. He's not playing next to experience in a Thiago or in a whoever, right? Fabinho next I mean, to him. Henderson he was, and Milner are pretty well, experienced. Yeah, but as in, you know, <laughs> good experience. He was scared. He did not want to turn. He did not want to do his thing. He was playing it safe. And then United just kind of swarmed and overwhelmed him. And Honestly, you you could field potentially 15 better starting midfielders in the Premier League than the three that Liverpool put out there today, with the form included, with all that kind of stuff, age profile all considered. When we saw when we saw the midfield, I know you started off by saying you know everybody wrote off United, but if you watch Liverpool closely, I know the thing is United are really bad, or were really bad before this game, right? But Liverpool were also extremely bad. They just there was a lot less spotlight on them. They, I don't think this is. This, the way this game went is absolutely unfathomable if you kind of take all that into account, right? United obviously definitely stepped up their game. They had the perfect game plan. They executed it really well. But with that midfield, with Liverpool, with Nunez also being out and you playing Firmino, who is clearly way past it, there mm-hmm. was, you know, this was the best time to play Liverpool, even if this United's bad form, especially with the hunger there. You know, uh, Ten Hag had the, had the balls to drop Ronaldo, played pretty much the fastest 11 players he had. He just like put them all on the field and it worked. And it, you know what? You, you smothered them in midfield and you, um, even Bruno, Bruno was running around like a madman, almost playing like a DM sometimes. But you know, you do what you do to beat Liverpool. I'll, I'll say that when, and I, I put this out there and I've shown it to Roche, when I saw the lineups, I said United would win this game. If you put Fabinho in that midfield, I know he was been, he was been bad, but we've seen, Brentford, when Ericsson was playing deeper, they basically put a man on him, right? And said, okay, we're going to harass you and you're going to lose the ball and we're going to man mark you and give you no space. Milner, Elliott, and Henderson isn't that mobile. And they basically let them do whatever they wanted. And this United team has been built to run. <laughs> I always said it when I hated the fact that Ronaldo was there because he consumes space, he doesn't make any runs, doesn't let anyone else make any runs, No, doesn't hold the ball, bring anyone into play. In this game, Ericsson just took the ball and said, I'm going to do a hero ball here. And it went to Elanga, and it went to Sancho, and it went to Rashford over the top of that midfield. This bypassed it. And in the second half, when Martial came on, he showed exactly what this team needs. Ronaldo can score 24 goals all he wants, but he came in, held the ball, spun Van Dijk so many times, and then just passed it to the runner, which is how they scored a second goal and could have scored more. And again, they just let Ericsson just ping it over to Martial each time, to Rashford each time. I thought, when are they going to step up and actually press this guy into anything? 
It wasn't until Fabinho came on that they started to really encroach and get closer because they put United's midfield on the back foot. Because McTominay doesn't have the passing range and Eriksen squeeze him for space. You can do something. And I was shocked that that didn't happen before. No, that's that's absolutely true. And I think it kind of leads into something else that I, I wanted to bring up, which is I saw someone basically say that with this midfield, Trent's, Trent's version of hero ball also becomes a liability because every like he tries a lot of stuff, right? He's like Bruno from right back. He's trying Hollywood balls a lot. And when they don't work out, that's fine if you've got like a dominant pressing midfield to sweep up, win the second balls, etc. If you don't, you're just losing possession a lot. And we yeah, saw that. And, and, and Fabinho is the one that kind of drops into that trend space that he has, right? Like we saw, can't remember what game Liverpool conceded recently and kind of one of the bad moments Fabinho had this season when yeah. it was on a counter, I think, on a counter and Fabinho didn't stop it. And he was he was the guy right there, and he whoever was kind of squirmed between Fabinho and, and another Liverpool player. But that's kind of a good Fabinho. That's what he does when Trent does the hero ball stuff, and he's up there and he's trying to ping it across the Robertson and all that. Fabinho is there to clean up, and that's kind of part of their game plan. This today, like Bernie, you're talking about Ericsson kind of just pinging those balls over. It wasn't everywhere. It was every time behind Trent, every mm-hmm. time to the left, every time. Elanga, you, you know, Elanga was getting the ball. He, he was like your outlet. It's like Elanga and. I watched Chalanga play the first call of the first 30, 35 minutes. It was obvious that Ten Hag said, if you get the ball and you don't run at Trent, you're coming off. (laughs) It was so clear. It was not about like, because he did it once, it failed. He did it again, it failed. He did it a third time and it worked. It's clear Mm -hmm. that it's like he told him, you get that ball. That's the only reason you're playing. You're Chalanga. You know, you're not. You're not part of the starting eleven. You're not, you know, but you're only playing so you can just run at Trent literally every single time you get the ball and create chaos. And that's what he did every time. And by the 60th minute when he got subbed off, he was knackered because all he did was run at him every single time he got the ball. He ran at Trent so much, and then they decided to put Trent uh, Rashford on Trent. And like Trent had a horrible defensive game. He brought like Elanga down on the edge of the box. He brought Rashford down the edge of the box. One of them led to a great Ericsson free kick that I was gonna have to save in the second half. Rashford was r- almost walking past him. And I just thought, like, I get it. I get it. I say this all the time. The offensive capabilities, whatever. But if you don't, to your point, have that Fabinho to enter that spot, and then you're literally leaving Trent there to be exposed, you're finished. <laughs> because why would, who else would you attack? You're not going to attack Robertson. He can defend. Yeah, well, not only that, but the world's best central defender has come into this season higher as a kite. Like... I'm I'm a fairly casual, laid-back person. <laughs> I, Virgil van Dijk has taken it to whole new levels. I mean, he's trying to stop things without doing anything, and it's not working anymore. Alex, <laughs> we we talked about this at the start of the season. We said the emergence of Willy Saliba is going to rattle van Dijk. We talked sure? about this. Do, 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 do. Saliba, <laughs> we talked about this. We said this was going to happen. Everybody laughed at us. Van Dijk is shocked. Did you see Milner? Did you see Milner whispering to van Dijk, hey, hey step up here because Saliba is better him. than you, mate? Yeah, we heard it. We could all see his lips. He, he was, he was like, exactly was like what he Sal- said. Saliba's chance is better than yours and Saliba's actually killing you, mate. You see that goal? Fucking the fuck off, mate. <laughs> like, ever since the Champions League final, it's as if, like, Van Dijk has made a point to double down on this whole hands behind my back thing and I can defend like this because he keeps doing it and they keep scoring goals on him. It's like, bro, calm down. He's going to come out in a smoking jacket next week. Like, what else could he do to be more casual about everything? Yeah, that was uh, that was a weird one because, look, Sancho, things haven't been going well for you. Have your goal, have your moment, all that good stuff. Now, that said... He took like a million touches before scoring. Like, I get it. He kind of like Milner went flying. And then he took another touch with his right. He brought it back with his left. Then he took a shot. Like, you do not have this much space in a Premier League box. Like, it was ridiculous. And Van Dijk just stood there and didn't even try and close the angle down. It just, yeah, it didn't make any sense. I thought, you know what? Good goal by Sancho. He At least he was composed. He didn't rush it. So... You know, well done. I think that kind of pays back the sixty million or whatever, and um, eighty million, um, seven million. <laughs> that extra touch. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was. It must be frustrating for for Liverpool fans to watch because Van Dijk is fantastic, but like he needs to stop sure. this whole like I haven't 
I haven't got he won. He did not win a single tackle in this game. Official stat. Not one. Not one. <laughs> How many did he try to make? I'm sorry. Man's washed. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here for it, mate. Washed. <laughs> uh, excellent. In that case, he'll end up at Barcelona in the next year or two. Um, let's move on. Newcastle 3. Manchester City three. What a banger of a game! Um, Mo, you want to uh, you want to give flowers to Eddie Howe, don't you? Of course, because every time I watch Newcastle, and you guys know I bring this up, every time I watch Newcastle, I tell you how much I want him to do well. And part of it is I feel Eddie Howe deserves a lot of credit for starting from January last year. Kind of what they've done in the last six months of football has been phenomenal. And also, people, you know, banter is banter. People say, well, yeah chuck a billion dollars at anything and but look they haven't done that you know one of their most expensive signings is chris wood and that was just a stopgap because they had like zero strikers they had to do what they had to do to stay up he was never going to be their long-term guy he's not playing anymore right he's not a third so when you think of the signings they made what is it gimaresh mm-hmm. reasonable but he's clearly worth the money that whatever the money they paid for him Trippier, england international played uh, at athletic blah 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 you know a great signing there um but, you know, uh, Dan uh, Burn, Dan Burn, Burn exactly. You know, just very solid, suitable signings for what they want to do. And Eddie Howe has them playing very, very good football. Um, mm-hmm. And they're playing to their strengths, right? They've got the Almiron um, Maximan thing going on with a fantastic striker in Callum Wilson when he's fit. His problem has always been fitness, never, never kind of talent. And he's playing to their strengths. And they took this game to City. And I think they, they unfortunately, the, the City kind of talent came through at the end. But I would say they deserved this win, for sure. Yeah, they did. I, I mean, like, you, you've got nothing to lose playing City. If you sit there and let them play the game, you'll get battered. So you might as well go for it. And honestly, I've never seen Kyle Walker this scared. Mm-hmm. Like, Alan Maxman is is inconsistent. But when he wants to, he is absolutely unbelievable. And he was just rinsing Walker left, right, and center to the extent that, and, and I'm sure everyone who's seen it will remember this clip, but so Maximan picks up the ball and Walker just backs up. Like he almost runs away. Like he backed off into his own penalty area, tried to bring other people around so that he wasn't a one-on-one. Like I've never seen him that scared. Yeah, and it's, kudos to, sorry, Bernie, go ahead. No, I was going to say it's, it's, it's a very similar formula to Adama Traore when he was good. Ish. Mm. <laughs> I won't say good, just good ish. Of mm. just run at these boys because mm. even I, I, Kyle Walker is an, is a hell of an athlete, but he's what now over thirty. Am I am I am I getting that wrong? Like he's not no, the athlete like he used 32. to be. And just running at them is enough to scare the shit out of them. Like like United used to do that, and that's the formula. And Sam Maximan just said, "Screw this!" <laughs> like and it was so much fun, and I'm happy for Almiron as well. Because after that first one that he hooked over the bar, I thought, mm, this oh, you're talking about is gonna be, yeah. You're talking about Big D Almiron. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's what a finish. That, that's that energy. It's <laughs> 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 amazing. Um, but yeah, I thought also we got to give credit. Like, it, not every team goes down one nil to City in the fifth minute and doesn't think, oh, here we go. Yeah, because at that moment it was like, all right, City are here to play today. Good again, fantastic goal. Um, you know, Newcastle are gonna get it. Um, they came back. They, <sighs> Gimmerish again, man. Like it's one of those where it's like, you know, he was he was um, kind of linked with a lot of, let's say, bigger teams at the time as yeah. well. Like Arsenal was one of them. A couple more. Like you're thinking, a couple of teams must be looking at this and going, we we missed out. We big missed time. out big time. Yeah, and. Like he, he was just phenomenal in central midfield and he kind of has been since he showed up really. Um and apparently he doesn't like make the Brazil starting eleven, which is which is very curious. But um I Kieran Trippier's free kick. Yeah. Delicious. Well apparently the ones... yeah. he's scored three out of the four direct free kicks he's taken for Newcastle, <laughs> which is ridiculous. It's those ones that go in that corner, you know, mm. that kind of the reverse free kick. Those are th- those have a special place. Um, but like, yeah, I was just, like city. The thing is, like, people like like the theory is there on how to play them. Mm. It's just whether you're able to apply, right? And Newcastle are built that way. They're just they're built to apply that kind of uh, counter attack, kind of get him on the break, 
play quick, play fast. Um, and I, you know, Joe Linton, even in midfield, just as a physical force, mm-hmm. bodying people, um, you know, pushing Bernardo Silva around, pushing Gundogan around, doing his thing. And, you know, that's another Eddie Howe thing. Who would have thought Joe Linton can play center midfield? Like, he, he was a joke out wide at one point or up front. Like, he was actually a laughing stock. And now look at him, one of their best players. Um, but, you know, City came back. They kind of picked it up a little bit as they, as, 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 Newcastle also started to tire. KDB's assist for the third goal to Bernardo Silva was a peach. Ridiculous. Um, do, do you think that like every time he gets the ball, all the defenders are just going to run towards Haaland and so like other players <laughs> are just going to be able to yeah, pull these kind of goals? Haaland was actually like quite peripheral for what the first hour of this game. Um, yeah. Wasn't really in it. We talked about this, like how is it going to, you know, how is that going to work? And he just wasn't really getting as involved as, as you would like or I guess as a City fan would like. Yeah, for sure, and and but he got his goal, and that's basically what you're going to expect from from Haaland. City will dominate the game enough that he'll get a couple of chances and he'll score one. Like that's that's basically going to um, be the model. I don't know. I'm I'm still kind of watching City games in the with the mode of like, is he doing anything yet that Jesus starting for them every game at center forward? At least the Jesus that we're seeing at Arsenal couldn't have given them in his prime, going into, like, he's 25 now, going into his prime, etc., etc. Like, I ha- still haven't seen, you know, that bullet header or that unbelievable shot. You know, I haven't seen something that kind of puts him apart just yet. And I know it's early. Maybe it'll come. Very. But yeah. especially with the way that City play, do you really need more than a Jesus on form that is really kind of giving that confidence to start every game? I don't know. So I, don't I think, think the problem on it is that... Um, sorry, buddy, go on. Sorry, Alex. I, I think the problem, though, is that you're not... Seeing that because, the, firstly, the Jesus that you're seeing at Arsenal is not in any way, shape, or form the mm-hmm. Jesus you saw at City. There are a lot less Correct. rules for him because the team is not kind of, but effectively built around him. It's like, I was saying this to my um, brother-in-law in that, yes, there's tactics. We get all that. But there's also a freedom for Jesus to go off and say, just go off and do your thing, right? Like within the context of the structure, do your thing. Where at City, it wasn't that. And now they're playing with a focal point striker, which they're not even very much used to. And I think Holland has to adjust. They have to adjust. And it just looks a little clunky at times. And it's not... I know there's, what, seven points that they've gotten? And I can't remember who they played before, but it's still not been full swing convincing because I think they're still trying to figure out this whole thing. Like, Foden doesn't pass square the ball to Holland for some reason. <laughs> I think he's like, there's a number nine in that position? This is weird. I don't understand this. So they they are still trying to figure it out, and, I, and eventually, I guess they will. Yeah, yeah. The way the way to remember they're at seven points is that there's only one team with nine points in the league. <laughs> uh, would have would have been a natural segue, but I'm going to ignore it for now uh, and build up the tension. Um, Leeds three, Chelsea nil. Uh, enjoyable, if uh, if you dislike Chelsea the way I do. Also enjoyable if you have a friend and Aronson in your fantasy team, which I do, Bernie. <laughs> so the backstory here is that we all share their fantasy teams and we all make fun of Bernie. Stop he's the really presses. Stop the presses. I know I'm late. <laughs> I know I'm late, he, but I'm, I'm going to interrupt you here on Aronson. No, Alex. No, sorry. I get it. He pressed Mendy into oblivion, which is not all that sexy. So... Get out of my face with that Aronson nonsense, because yeah. Now he's please got go on like Martin. a bazillion points since the start of the season. No, he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> he he's got, has. He got two got points to in, in the game. That, it, sure, fine, fine. He was also really good, like FPL and goal aside. Aronson was also really good against Chelsea. Like he he was pretty fantastic. I mean, Leeds were fantastic, and Chelsea were awful, but. I, I'm impressed. Yeah, and then like Rodrigo and Jack Harrison are both stepping up for for uh, for Leeds. Definitely, Rodrigo's kind of taking that Rafinha mantle and running with it, and he's kind of being the main man right now from an attacking perspective. Um, and Jack Harrison is kind of his partner in crime, a little bit more reserved, but he's there. He gets on the goals, he gets on the assists, um, and he's doing a great job. And I think uh, Marsh is doing a fantastic job with his lead side. And it, you know, this is kind of the kind of football that we want to see. Then we talked about this at the beginning of the season. We said. Results oriented, do whatever it takes to win the game, and we're seeing that solidity from them a little bit more. Um, and I think, you know, I think they continue this way. They could be, they could be, you know, good top 
half middle of the table kind of thing, and and that's kind of what they're looking for, especially after last season's mm-hmm. <laughs> like close close encounter with uh, with relegation. So yeah, no, good for them on the Chelsea side. <sighs> like <laughs> Tuchel wasn't there on the sidelines, so that's one. Right? He also had. Oh to, no, he uh, was. He was. He, he was there because it's it's he's appealed the decision and uh, yeah. Yes, anyway. true, true. Um, so. But he did have to uh, take the bus to the game for some reason. The plane was only able to take the players and not him and the coaching staff. He was complaining about that. Hmm. Right. Well, I mean, the good thing is that the players haven't really felt that effect. So that's all that matters. No excuse there. <laughs> but they, so we looked at well, we looked at this game and we thought, okay, so their starting midfield at Chelsea was for Chelsea were Mason Mount. Gallagher and Jorginho. When they don't have Conte in there, they miss something. Even yeah, big time. even if he's not in his best form. It's almost like the Fabinho conversation exactly that we have with Liverpool. He's not in his best form, potentially sometimes whatever he's getting older, but he's still their best kind of defensive midfielder to play. So they started with that, and then he took them all off. <laughs> yep. And on came Pulisic, Ziyech, and Chilwell for those three midfielders. And now you're just kind of like, you know, open fields. Just there's yeah. literally no center mid on the field. Well, also Koulibaly got sent off, so there was some so there was some adjustment for that. But so here's the thing with Kante, and, and to be fair to Tuchel, although it sort of covers his own back, he did last season say, look, Kante is our De Bruyne, he's our Salah, he's you know of that quality, and he's that important to us. Um, I guess but because of the position that he plays, he doesn't get talked about in the same way. But he also plays 50% of the games because hmm. his, his injury record is what it is. Now, if you're going to make that statement, and it looks like it's true when Kante is on form, Chelsea do really well. If that's true, you need to make a contingency plan. Now, I think Conor Gallagher should be about as good. If you look at the attributes that Kante has and the attributes that Gallagher has and what he could grow into be, I think that's probably your best bet for replacing Kante in a kind of like-for-like way. But, you know, it's Gallagher's first start of of the season. He's barely ever played for Chelsea. That's going to take some time. So I, I don't know what you do in the meantime to kind of get over that that hurdle. He's got to find something. Yeah, because it was really weird because we did talk about the first 70 minutes against Spurs were fantastic. I mean, they took us by surprise. We were expecting this kind of Chelsea, right? When we talked about our preseason preview, we were expecting this, the Chelsea versus Leeds. But then the one we got against Spurs was like, okay, wait a second. Maybe they do know exactly what they're doing, right? Cucurella looked great. Conte did his thing. Um, Pretty Boy on the right did his thing. Whatever his name is. Uh, What's his name? Come on, Loftus Cheek. Yes, Loftus Cheek. Like all that good stuff happened, and we're like, okay, they got unlucky at the end. Some refereeing calls, some Tottenham good fortune, and blah blah blah. Then this game, this game rocks rocks around, and they just look just completely different compared to what we saw against Spurs. And I think the midfield has something to do with it for sure. But at the same time, it cannot be you know it cannot be this bad. No, you you'd think, but like. I mean, Tuchel had to go at him, but the Mendy error was horrendous. Yeah. Um, and this is not the first time. Like, he's a very good shot stopper by all accounts, but he's horrendous with his feet. He's just horrendous with his feet. We picked up on it within the first five minutes of his first game for Chelsea. I remember it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, it seems harsh to say because, you know, he won the African Cup of Nations. He's been lauded as one of the best keepers in the world. And maybe rightfully so, except that in 2022, I don't know that you can really do this in a sustained way with a keeper that can't pass out from the back at all. Like we're seeing the same stuff with De Gea. Yeah, no, um, I think you're right. And I think the keepers get kind of judged differently depending on what team you play for. Like you can be a very good shot stopper in the middle of the table or whatever you can be. But yeah, if you're playing for like a, a top team, I think you have to take that into account because that's just how football is right now, how they build up from the back. I mean, Donnarumma has a similar issue with PSG. He's a fantastic shot stopper, tall, lanky, great for that kind of stuff. But he's not, you know, the best with his feet either. And he's he struggled a little bit when he first joined. Same thing. And they're kind of, I think right now, they're the two keepers that last year were kind of fighting for the Golden Glove or whatever their, their award is called. So 
Yeah, I, mm. I think it, it was very clear, and we and we saw it from the first five minutes that Mendy kind of played. So uh, the problem is I can't even say, well, don't give him the ball too much because they gave him the ball in acres of space. He just had to kick it out, just kick <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not that complicated. It really isn't. It's not as if that you know Chelsea aren't like they're not Manchester City. They're not entirely dependent on playing the ball out from the back and creating those kind of patterns like they don't need to do it um what they do need to do is score some goals and they seem to have decided that spending 18 to 20 million on 33 year old Aubameyang is the thing to do here now look I understand that Tuchel worked with him before and really enjoyed it but that was like five did they also fall out at the end and a lot has happened since I don't know maybe but like I mean Tuchel falls out with everyone and so does Aubameyang eventually um this just seems like a really bad idea. And even if it's... Okay, here's, here's my thing with this. Aubameyang is not the difference between Chelsea like winning the league or winning the Champions League this year, right? Like, he helps a bit. He'll score a few goals. It's not going to make the world of difference to their season. In which case, if you're going to spend more money, and after they buy Fofana, they'll be into the, like, 250 million zone, by the way, which is insane. Um... If you're going to spend more money, why not just buy a younger striker that's going to be good also next season? Well, Chelsea don't, yeah, as opposed to a washed up. I don't think Chelsea do that whole younger thing very well. I mean, Fofana might be, might be counter to that, but like at the end of the day, I mean, they had the younger guys, they had him, and they didn't want him. They had Tammy Abraham, and they want him. Hudson Odoi can't get a game. Like Chelsea want now, 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 and Aubameyang seems like a now solution. But is he even a now solution? Like if he's if he's the Aubameyang that's Played at the end for Arsenal. If he's there, Aubameyang even has started the way he did for 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 Barcelona. Mm, like nothing, like you said, not the difference between winning the league and not winning the league. So the problem is again the striker market is tough. You know, there was the Haaland, there was the Jesus, there is kind of the Mbappe out there, and Jonathan the, David still there. Lewandowski. You know, there's not a lot. There's not a lot kind of coming through or whatever, so it's tough. So it's like, they, okay, people can say, okay, fine, don't buy Aubameyang. Who should we buy? I, I don't know. Well, well, now your options are limited, but at the start of the summer, I, I don't know. Like, they've needed a goal scorer forever, and Lukaku went back to Inter months ago. Yeah. Lukaku was the one that should have really just worked out. That would have been, that would have just completed their team if he could, if he could do anything mm-hmm. useful. I mean... Obviously, everyone is yeah. to blame to some extent, but you, Tuchel agreed to spend $100 million on the guy and then gave up on him very, very quickly. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've praised Tuchel for a lot of his very early work with Chelsea. Like, he, he did, you know, revolutionize his team and make them a seriously competitive outfit. But there's a lot of stuff that you really have to question lately. Um, we'll, we'll see. And maybe they'll just be this, this kind of inconsistent side this year. Um, the most consistent side so far... Um, have uh, someone at the back, and he's got a new song. Do 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 do. <laughs> Close enough. Close enough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, we'll try not to be too giddy about it, but Arsenal are fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we've got the best centre back in the league. We've got the best striker in the league. We've got the, I don't know, best everything. So we're just left back. Yeah, I mean, we, we do actually have a, uh, well, uh, as um, uh, Devang says, at Desai Devang on Twitter, says, uh, William Saliba talk, not a question, just wax poetic. I mean, it's been a dream start for him. After what was a nightmare first two years of loans and confusion and, you know, different managers and what have you, um, it's been a dream start. So the problem is when you take all the drama out and you just kind of boil it down to the facts... It's not crazy. Just like, you know, the media and the Arsenal fan base and whatever, and everything got crazy. And then, but when you boil it down to the facts of sign a 19 year old center back from France for quite a bit of money, whatever, 27, 30 million, whatever it was, loan loan him back, loan him back to where he's comfortable, (laughs) where he's going to get experience, where he's going to play well. Have him come back in two years as a French international, having played for Marseille, having won, you know, player of the month award. Probably in the, I think he's made it into the uh, season team of the year, whatever in France, you know. And he comes back already and available and hungry to kind of prove that he can do it. 
boil it down to the facts, it's fantastic management. Well done, everybody involved. The problem is when he started to play well and Arsenal aren't playing well, it was like, well, you guys could have used this guy instead of setting him out. It's like, whatever. Like, the point is now, right? Like, what was Saliba yeah. going to do? Okay, fine. Maybe Saliba last season, we get one more point and whatever. But he wasn't ready last season. That's the point. He wouldn't have had his Marseille season under his belt if he was at Arsenal last season. He would be at Arsenal freaking losing to Brentford on the opening, opening day of the season. That's what he would be up to. That may be the case. I, I suppose the argument, um, the argument for the opposition, if I may play devil's advocate, is that Arteta looked at him in one game in preseason and whatever training yep. sessions they had and decided, not not yet, right? Loan into Marseille where he was brilliant, and then Arsenal went into the start of last season with Pablo Marie playing the first three games, um, and you know Rob Holding is not a bad footballer. He's not a bad option. Um, but, you know, made some crucial mistakes towards the end of last season. If you had Saliba there, maybe it's a different story. There's an argument for Arsenal could have used him in the squad last season. Um, but ultimately, yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter. On the, on, <laughs> it doesn't matter. On the positive, He's here yeah. now. He, he's playing brilliantly and, you know, made up for his own goal last week by scoring an absolute... Yeah, what a, the, that is not easy technique. The ball coming towards you on your weaker foot, curling it into the top corner. I mean, that's a one in a million kind of thing. But it happened, it happened then, it happened there, and he was obviously ecstatic. He's got a new song. It's fantastic. He, defensively as well. Like, do, do, should, should we do yeah, a better no, version no, no, of it? Stuff. You can Horror. do it. Okay. Let's go. Saliba! I thought defensively, you know, he's got that Virgil van Dijk aura about him he he uses it well but he actually makes a tackle once in a while um his distribution from the back is fantastic he's very comfortable on the ball very calm for such a young defender now we just need to get him and Saka tied down to new deals and this team I mean in recent memory I do not remember a more complete Arsenal squad in terms of starting 11 talent but also options Every single position, bar maybe one or two, have a competent mm-hmm. substitute that can come in and do the job. The And this started last summer with all our seven or eight new signings that five or six of them absolutely solid, contributing to the team, fantastic. Then this season, signings in Jinchenko, Gabriel Jesus, just it really kind of... The Jesus signing has been transformational. It just has been. And it's not his stats alone. It's just the way he kind of brings the energy, brings the fight, wants to be the main guy, is doing it for everybody around him, seems to be a great influence in the dressing room, a winner who's won things, knows what it means to you know perform under pressure with Pep and all that stuff. And I thought, you know what? This is the first game in a very long time away from home as well. I know it's Bournemouth, but hey, we've had instances where it was just Bournemouth and we've messed it up big time and it's the first time in a long time where i just sat there absolutely relaxed just enjoying a game of football yeah no like a comfortable win is not to be underestimated especially in this premier league there there are very very few and far between very very few even the worst teams are not bad and and give you a hell of a game um what i would say about gabriel jesus is like you're just seeing a different side of it. It's like he exited a, a relationship that was bad for him. And, and it wasn't even that bad, right? It was Man City. He played a bit part role and he did well. And then he comes to Arsenal and he's got more freedom, as Bernie was talking about earlier. Um, and he just looks reborn almost. Um, the, the, the work that he did in the build-up to the first Odegaard goal yeah. was ridiculous. Like he pulled the ball out of the sky with with the cleanest first touch you could ask for dribble you know held off a, a nine foot defender dribble past another two and then laid a perfect ball into martinelli like i mean you, you really can't ask for more from your center forward especially one that isn't you know physically that guy that yeah well i mean big. he he yeah. basically whatever bournemouth had in plan with that couple of moves he just threw it all out the window Right, and that's kind of what you have to do against these teams that want to just hunker down and kind of, you know, frustrate you and stuff. Is you need that that brilliance once in a while to kind of just, you know, create space between their lines. And then all of a sudden, from there, the minute he turned and he was running at the back line, it was now just pure defending one on one, and you're most likely going to lose that, right? Um, but then, yeah, brilliant. Like again, Martinelli working on a lot of shooting on his left, which is very obvious. 
um, because he's going to find himself in those positions a lot. And nothing's worse than kind of that reverse foot person that has to cut in every time. And it's super obvious. So clearly there's been work done in the background saying, look, you're very quick. Your first three yards, you're faster than anybody. Just push it to your left side, get past them and make anything happen. Just hit it because with the left foot, you're not really aiming like as much as your dominant foot. Just hit it well on target. Something will happen. And in this game, it came off the keeper. Odegaard was there. Second goal, again, brilliant. Odegaard, I mean, that is a good finish. Uh, he, yeah, it's a very he good finished finish. it very kind of with authority. And I like that. And people were talking a little bit after Odegaard's first couple of games. Like, he's on a bit of a periphery. We're playing a lot more on the left side. He's not getting that involved. So he had his game today. Now the next game needs to be Saka's game. And then everybody can just sleep happy. Everybody's had, had their game. game. Um, and yeah, no, <laughs> look, easy opposition, Sure. But it's not just the three points. It's what we're watching. It's what we're seeing. Now, can they keep that consistent? Can the fringe players come in and do their job when needed? And can we do this against the better teams? That'll be the test. But knowing Arsenal, these were not given. These games were definitely not given. No. None of them are. No. Um, yeah, I, I just feel there's, there's a different feeling about the team and i think that you know a lot of that comes from zinchenko and jesus and what what it kind of felt like to me when i was thinking about this was like you are playing a video mikhail alteta is playing a video game and he's bought two people who've already completed <laughs> yeah. it yeah you know what i mean like they've achieved the version of football that he wants to play and they're showing everyone else how to do it. And that just makes a ton of sense. And frankly, like, you know, the, uh, some of the reaction um, from some people f in seeing Arteta in the all or nothing is like, oh, what a pep wannabe. And my reaction Great. to that is like, well, yeah. Like, why wouldn't you want to do exactly what the best <laughs> manager, arguably, in the world uh, yeah, you're telling does. me there's only one Pep, I mean, but I can have like his reincarnation. <laughs> Thank you very much. Like, let's do that. <laughs> like, like uh, Zinchenko is like Arteta's wet dream, right? Like, it's just like mm. uh, the thing about these two players is that he knows them very well. Like, you know, I, I, I watched this league inside out every single minute. Could I tell you that Jesus could have been this player? I don't know. Like, I wouldn't say 100%. Oh, yeah, it was always bubbling under the surface. No, I'd be like, you know what? If I had to guess, he's a fantastic finisher in the box. A team has to be built around him that plays very well. He finishes it off because he's an instinctive striker in the box and can do his thing. And that's me watching him almost every minute that he, he's, you know, he's provided to play for City. But someone else looked at it. Arteta knows it from trading. Other people have looked at it. And they're like, you know what? There is something else in there that if he comes to Arsenal, will come out. He's 25 now. He wants to be the main man. You know, could I tell you that that he can hold the ball up, a long ball from the keeper against the six foot two center back? I would have said, hell no, never gonna happen. And that's me watching every minute he plays. You know, it's not it's not ignorance. It's just like it wasn't there, right? But somebody saw it. Someone said this is gonna work for us. And in the, again, we talked about the striker market. There's not a lot out there for 40 or 50 or whatever we paid. We got an absolute deal in Jesus. Certainly looks like it so far. And, you know, it's Arsenal. The The potential for everything to blow up is, is always there, always hanging over. But, you know, so far, so good and, and very exciting um, along the way. Tottenham 1, Wolves nil. So, in contrast, so Tottenham are also picking up points um, at a good clip. But in contrast, have kind of done it despite not very good performances in the last two weeks. First half performance here was was horrendous. Wolves were all over them. And sort of a, a new look Wolves was uh, was good. the team. Um, yeah, he, I mean, he is good. And you had like Pedro Neto at wing back, which was kind of interesting. Um, but they, they flooded the midfield and they, they had control in the first half, but they're just like not dangerous enough. Yeah, they uh, they couldn't convert. And uh, kind of the thing, the thing that struck me watching Wolves is, and, and I don't know if this is just too kind of general or not, but they seem to have a plan A. And it has to work. Plan A being little, small, technical guys that will tippy-tappy, do their thing with Moutinho and Neves kind of quarterbacking the whole thing. And it just has to come off perfectly. I never felt that they could score a scramble, a random goal, you know, that kind of thing. They used to have the Traore plan B. He's just completely out of form mm. right now. That doesn't seem to even be an option. Um, so that's not working for them. So I just felt in that first half that they just kept trying the same thing over and over, and it just wasn't their day. So I just felt like it was never going to happen. 
No, and it didn't. Yeah, and like didn't. you said, I think you were right before the game. You said, you know, that I Nori side will be their weak side defensively, and it was. He was not very good defensively, and yeah. and I think Tottenham slowly grew into the game, and they just got, the, the, you know, they're going to be this solid under. Um, Conte, they're, they're just going to be. And that's kind of what they want them to be. And, and unfortunately, these are the points that get you where you want to be. It's these kind of games, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and not only that, but they've they've added another string to the bow this summer because they've got a you know attacking set-piece coach. And you, arguably, that has already won them four points in the in the last two weeks. You know, they got the, the Kane goal uh, from the corner last week. They got the Kane goal from the corner this week. And like... In, in a league that is so tough and when the margins are so fine, you are... It, it's kind of unforgivable not to have that level of yeah, preparation. because every point. little bit matters. And, and, you know, if you're 1% better than your opponent in this league, that's all that matters. You know, it started with Liverpool getting a throwing coach and everybody laughed a little bit, right? But, you know, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. People now have a lot of set-piece coaches. I mean, Arsenal, We every single set-piece, I mean, because we, we're Arsenal fans, we watch it very closely. Every single set-piece from every different type uh, kind of spot in the field is clearly rehearsed. And intentional. Arsenal scored from it last week. Spurs scored from it this week. It's becoming, you know, it's becoming to the point where people now have almost, well, not almost, they do have kickoff routines, right? We we saw we saw that PSG yeah. goal, PSG. Mbappe, Messi, Neymar. That is a kickoff routine. That is unbelievable. Like I know we've had this stuff in the past where you know you lump the ball into the corner, win the second ball, and see what happens. But this wasn't yeah. that. This was this is exactly how it's going to work. <laughs> and I thought. It was unbelievable. It's always fun to see something new in football. You know, you've been watching it forever, but it's nice to kind of see something new once in a yeah. while. And that was, and again, that's going to be the next thing. You have kickoff routines. You have whatever. It's just whatever it takes to have the slightest advantage over your opponent. Absolutely. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, check out the uh, PSG Lille highlights from the weekend. PSG smashing seven past the team that won the championship uh, last yeah. year, two years mm-hmm. ago. Yeah, very healthy. Um from a performance perspective, just wanna just wanna throw this one in there. So, uh, Davinson Sanchez uh, came in for Romero at the back end of last season, and he's had to do so again. Uh, now it's been over seven hours since Spurs conceded with Davinson Sanchez on the pitch. So there that's, you go. Uh, that's impressive. He's killing it. Yeah, I mean they do play yeah. seventeen at the back, but. <laughs> um, Crystal Palace three, Aston Villa one. Um, wanted to bring this up for a few reasons. A, like, Zaha is uh, is proving me wrong. He's not. Well, no, he's not. I mean, yeah. I just think he's a dick. He's a very talented if player. Anything, if anything, um, he's, he's proving doing you right. He's doing well. extremely well. He's a very good player that's also a dick. I mean, that is exactly how his season has gone so far. Yeah, yeah that, that that's totally fair. Um, but the other reason I'm bringing this up is because we've got a question on it um, from Jojo at Mojo Dope Joe on Twitter who says, an honest discussion about Steven Gerrard as manager. He's sacked this season, right? So look, let, let's lay the cards on the table. You you are a fan, sure. You at least last season were very impressed by what you saw. But that's not Buddy a lie. A it's not skeptical. a lie. They were playing some like when starting in January when Coutinho joined, they were one of the yes. more enjoyable teams to watch in the league. And I thought, why can't I give Gerard praise for that? Because they were so bad before that. And then he came in. Coutinho came in. Everybody laughed at the Coutinho signing at the time. He mm-hmm. killed it. They looked fantastic. Slick football playing so well. And I'm like, you know what? I like him. Great. And then what am I supposed to do? And then it's falling <laughs> off a cliff. So I think, I forget the stat exactly, but have they won like two or three games um, in the last 14? Or like, if it's if not they lose the next two or three games, which are against tough opponents, it'll be Aston Villa's worst start since. Like worst managerial start in percentage one, which would be like 57% loss, I think. Um, since kind of the club began, yeah, like it, and and what's weird is that like he has a he's he's got a better squad than than it was a year ago. You know, like this is not, I'm looking at the team. It's not a bad team. You've got Emmy Martinez and goal like Mings, whatever. But you've got Konsa, Cash, Dinya. Like it's not a bad back four. Bubakar Kamara just came in. He's a very good player. Jacob Ramsey's really promising. John McGinn just like runs around and works really hard. And then Leon Bailey, Ollie Watkins, Emmy Buendia. Like this is not a bad football team, but he's not getting remotely the best out of them and so i don't know it depends how how ambitious the villa owners are um because you know i don't expect villa to be in a relegation battle so do the owners give gerard 
in in you know the Arteta kind of mold. Like here's a young manager. Let's give him a few years. It might be a bit bumpy, but you know we've got confidence in the guy. I don't know. I just don't know. They spend money like they're very ambitious, and so that would worry me the, if I were. The a... other way to think about it is like, who are Villa gonna hire? Brendan Rodgers. Uh, I mean, like, yeah. It's just like yeah. at some point the carousel of the same old names is tiring, where you just have to hope that you land <laughs> on the right young new guy, right? Like, I agree, but there has to be a. I line. mean, you've also got like the Potters. I don't know if that's a step up or a step down. I mean, from a but but, no, but from a but from a Villa. financial perspective, it's a step up for Potter. You know. Yes, but I actually heard an interview with him very recently, which he basically said, you know, things aren't about money all the time, and he's just like not, very not happy money for him. He has more like money to spend on the squad, is what I mean. But he has a bit of money, and he chooses not to spend it. I mean, at this point, you can say that Brighton don't want to strike it. Like yeah. <laughs> it's, they just renewed Danny Welbeck. Like it's been three I mean, years look, or whatever. You, you've got um, options. You know you've got the Brentford manager. You know, you've got. Hey, you've got Patrick Vieira. Yeah. Like you, there's enough young, good coming through managers in the league that could replace Jared. I guess as long as you can get one of them. But I mean, before Jared, there's other people that need to be worried. There's the Lampards and the, you know, there's there's other people's up there before Jared. I think. Well, that's a, that's you know, I mean, Lampard's a, a reasonable shout. Everyone kind of backed him as as first to be sacked this season, but you know, could Jared be sacked before him? It's not completely out Nothing of the realm is. of possibility. Yeah. Everton. Drew one moment. Uh, sorry, sorry. I just don't want to. I don't want to gloss yeah. over Crystal Palace just very quickly because Fair. they, Patrick Vieira, they whoever everybody is doing an absolutely phenomenal job. They're not a oh, huge mate. club. Like they're, you know, they, what they're doing is impressive. Um, the way they're playing is clearly a plan. It's clearly exactly how they want to play. It's to their strengths. Vieira is doing a fantastic job. He's making the right signings. Everybody's clicking. Like they're fun to watch. You know, he's got oh, Schlupp yeah. playing football. Like it's impressive. Jeff Schlupp has remarkable resilience. <laughs> We've been talking about Jeff Schlupp for like the last six years. I love it. Um, you know, Decore is holding down the midfield in the middle and and giving freedom to to Eze, who's just like a joy yep. to watch. Um, I know we had a discussion, was it last week, about his kind of ceiling and will he be like really elite? And frankly, I don't really care. I'm just enjoying watching yeah. him play football because he's, he's just him one of those guys. He's entertaining and he, he makes Well, they've got some decisions. of the most entertaining, you know, when you think of entertaining individuals, you think of like uh, Alan Sam Maxim. And I, I talk entertaining, not like, you know, KDB is obviously entertaining, but I'm talking about just the pure mm. kind of that pace and exactly the joy, got, the flair, you know, they've the, got the Zaha, yeah. they've got the Eze, they've got the Ulisse, they've got a some of the maybe some, maybe some of the most kind of like flair players in the league yeah and i really hope they add uh ismail mm-hmm. Asar to that because he seems to have rejected villa um because i'm sure he'd much rather play for patrick vieira um and a manager that he can understand rather than Simon gerald but like that would be a phenomenal addition um yeah the, the goal was it um uh-huh. matata yep. came on and Tyreek Mitchell yep. played the one-two with with Zaha, and then whipped in an unbelievable cross, really similar to that Reese James cross in the Spurs game that didn't get finished. I like Matera. So he's good. you know he's not the best player in the world, but I like him. He yeah, crumbles yeah, yeah. around. It's not bad. Yeah, the very yeah, Palace every... forward, just like Benteke, Matera, Edward. Like they're not very good. Yeah, but and every, just every handful, time he's stressed you know? out, you just say Akuna Matera, and he feels better. <laughs> he really should yeah, play yeah. for Arsenal. Let's do it. You know. Um, Everton won, Nottingham Forest won. Uh, I don't know, man. Jordan Pickford got an assist. <laughs> yes. Look, Gray and kind of it will be the season are the only two doing anything. I watched Anthony Gordon closely this game just to see what the hype is about. I mean, I know it. Like, it's not like the first time I'm watching this. It's not just based on this. I liked him when I watched him a couple of times. I'm like, oh, this guy, you know, he's standing out last season, ended last season. He stood out. Yeah. Fine, fair. But did he 60 million kind of come and change our fortunes Chelsea standout? Uh, no. So, you know who I really like? I like uh, Mikolenko. I like I like him. It's Since good. last season, when he kind of burst through, again, the last six months, I've been like, this guy, he's got something about him. 
Yeah, well, they spent like 18 million on it. Patterson on the right is actually decent as well. They've got two like young, good fullbacks, wingbacks that, that may kind of just get washed up in the nonsense mm-hmm. that Everton kind of turned Connor Cody started. They, they've got some good young players. There. Yeah, Cody, Tarkovsky, and well, Holgate, but you know, they, they, it should be a relatively stable back three, but anyway. Um, Leicester won Southampton too. So talking of uh, Rogers, like I don't think they'll sack him because I don't think Leicester can really... Well, I've always said that they'll, they'll get Roberto Mancini at some point just because he used to play for them. But um, I don't think they'll sack him. But I think there's... You know, if they lose Fafana and they don't spend any money, he might walk. And it might be the best decision for him because he's taken Leicester as far as he can. And it's really only down from here unless he's willing to stay there for like 10 years and start kind of start again. Well, he's good at starting cycle. again. So that's a, it's some, some aspects, aspect yeah. So that yeah. so that's good there. He's got that transferable skill. Um, now, <laughs> now, how long is he willing to stay? I don't know. Uh, it depends on kind of, you know, where Leicester are in their in their journey, let's say. But yeah, it's hard for any manager to stay somewhere where they're not spending money. It just is, unless you truly believe that you're either overachieving in the sense of like you're not going to get a better job or whatever it is and you're now just part of the fabric fine but it's very difficult to Mm -hmm. stay where you're not spending money because a lot of managers truly believe that spending money correlates to points and that might be true might be not true whatever the point is that's the belief right your wage bill your spending it correlates to points at the end of the day when you look at wage bill versus points it's almost always um in correlation right so I don't know if he if he if he'd stay there if they're not spending any more money. Their depth is not very good. Um, are they Daniel Amati is <laughs> yeah. still starting games? Um, Daniel Storti is. Are they in Europe? <laughs> no. That would be good Wait. if it's a no. I don't think okay. so. Just a thought because they don't have the squad for it. Um, no, they really don't. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean. Madison is another one that, you know, how long is he going to stay? Fine, Vardy is going to stay. He's on a new contract. He's there. He's clearly just going to kind of retire there. He needs to he needs to make all the money yep. to uh, to afford that case. Pay for his, Pay for his wife's bills, legal exactly. bills. Um, yep. But, like, I don't know. Is Madison going to stay there past this season? If, if, if things go the way they are, is Ndidi, is Barnes? Like... I mean, some of these guys will stay because they'll be priced out of moves. But eventually, eventually, yeah. Like Tielemans, this season yeah. is the last if he stays. Um, yeah, you'd think at some point, you know, Newcastle have been trying to buy Madison. You'd think at some point that something like that will happen. I don't, I don't know. They just they're at a weird kind of inflection point, Leicester, and I'm just not convinced. Like Rogers isn't stupid. He knows that you know your reputation as a manager yeah. can can fall really quickly and so if he doesn't feel like he's been supported or or they're going going anywhere then he might walk i don't know it's just my feeling on it southampton got a win good for them <laughs> yeah i mean southampton are going to be the, southampton are going to be that black hole team for me this season where i know nothing about them nothing <laughs> like i'm looking at this team i know nothing <laughs> i mean yeah sure james Ward yeah. Prowse. okay we we could go into it, but I don't feel like we have enough. No, I mean, uh, Che Adams came on and scored two goals as a substitute to win in the game, so that's that's something. That's that's his two for the <laughs> season. Uh, Fulham three, mm. Brentford two. This was a absolute banger. Cordova Reed, uh, Palinia, your boy. Have you um, ever seen got a more bobbled in goal than the Bob the, the, the Bobby <laughs> Reed one? It was unbelievable no. off his shin, off his, off anything, off the post. He was trying yeah, yeah. not to score it. Yeah, if yeah. anything, it's exactly what he was trying to do. But yeah, I mean, Palinia stood out the first game against Liverpool, got a very very nice goal here, and it's nice to see Mitrovic stepping away from the Championship shadow. He's clearly started the season on fire, yeah. so that's nice. Um, third time's the charm. charm. Yeah, I mean, Brentford keep doing this of coming back. Um, against teams, and they, they were 2-0 down. They came back 2-2. Um, Ivan Toni, Norgard, again, Norgard seems to be a very good signing for them. He's doing bits this season. And then Mitrovic in the 90th minute um, with a bullet header. It was nice. 
I mean, if if there was anyone that you would choose to like see celebrate a last minute winner, it would be Mitrovic. He didn't kill anyone in this celebration. So why do I feel like Mitrovic was at Newcastle? Was he? He was. Or someone looking very yeah. similar. Because I was going to say like, the only thing I want to see more than that is the Mitrovic, but at Newcastle. I feel like... No, no, right? he, he yeah. definitely was. Because I remember him coming in and, and there was all this talk like he'll be the next Shearer. Okay. And then he absolutely okay. wasn't. Okay. Yeah, he was at Newcastle. Because okay. Fulham are... The Fulham fans years. are... How to, how to put this? A little bit more civilized. But I, I need to, I need to see <laughs> that Mitrovic shirt off. He looks identical to the fans. You know, it would just be a great picture with Newcastle. Yeah. yeah. Now, Mit- Mitrovic's goal-scoring record is, is something else. So check this out. So 2017 in the championship, 12 goals. In the Premier League, 2018, 11 goals. The next season, championship, 26. The next season, the Premier League, four. The next season, the Championship, 43 goals in 46 games. And this season, he's got three and three. So if he gets one more this season, he'll have more than he did last time in the year. Uh, or he'll, he'll have matched That's all you can ask for. in the Premier League. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 did, say, they, the they did say label. do better than last, than last time. So Exactly. You're only as good as your last job. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, West Ham oh. nil, Brighton two. West Ham have had a horrendous start to the season, have man. It, Absolutely uh, horrendous. And they have are. I, have I read that they haven't scored the goal yet, or is that wrong? I think that's right. I think that is right. Where did they play? Yep. Okay. Oh well, they played City. City battered them. Was it? Didn't they? Three nil. Sounds familiar. Hang on. Well, here we West go. Ham. Live scores Results. works now when you just click on live podcast. Wow. Impressive. Yeah, so they lost to City. They lost to Forest 1-0. Um, and, and they lost they to City 2-0. Yeah, I forgot Borg. that. But in the league, they haven't scored yet. Haven't scored against City or Nottingham Correct. Forest or Brighton Hove Albion. And they play Aston... Well, there we go. They play Aston Villa next. So. <laughs> the Claret derby. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny after, you know, spending... Probably the most they've ever spent on a striker. Ooh, in, in look at this. Look at this. Think... Their next games are Villa, Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle. Whew. Moyes? You want to talk about Moyes? Because, <laughs> because if they, not, if, if they don't get anything good. against Villa, by the 11th of September, they could have zero wins. Yeah. See, I, th- I think, and I, and I don't mean to right. be kind of wise after the event, but like when you look at the West Ham team, Kufal and Suchek were brilliant two years ago and have been declining ever since. Cresswell's about 30. Zuma kicks cats across the room and hasn't recovered since that incident, really. Fabianski's 37. They signed Ariola, but aren't playing him. Um, and then, like, Rice is going to leave at some point, right? Like, surely this is probably his last season with the best time. And then you've got Jared Bowen kind of carrying the can because Fornals and Lanzini Where's were Kamaka? a bit weird. And Skamaka has barely started a game yet. So, I don't know. All of a sudden, they kind of look like a bit of a dated team. Yeah, I know. I agree. And a couple of bad results will do that, right? That's the problem. Like, in the Premier League, it's unforgiving. Mm-hmm. It's just like, like if West Ham mm-hmm. fans are already turning on David Moyes, I mean, you know something's up, right? <laughs> um, but Brighton, on the other hand, very quickly, just a nice, technical, slick group of players playing football the way it should be played. With a manager that knows right. exactly what he's doing. You've got the Sully Marches, the McAllisters, the Trossards, the Gross, the Lalana. <laughs> like it's like, what do you want? This is fluid football. The Brighton are just a lovely, <laughs> lovely team, and and it almost does them a disservice because they obviously work really bloody hard and and are very intelligently put together. And you know, as I said, we've all been screaming like buy a striker for the last three years, and they've been like fuck off, stop telling us what to do. Like, yeah. we're doing fine. And they just are. Like, it's been an excellent, excellent start to the season for them. Beat Man United, beat West Ham, drew with Newcastle, which, as we know, is, you know, no mean feat. Um, and they've got uh, Leeds, Fulham, and Leicester, and Bournemouth coming up. So they, they could have a really, really good... They could be top four after, a, you know, six yeah. weeks. No, they're doing well. And, and Brighton are one of those that I like to see do well because they want to play football kind of the right way, right? So... Exactly. Uh, anything else from Europe? I know Barcelona 
finally uh Best finally won a game, game. um nice. Bayern Munich destroyed a team 7-1 PSG did the same oh yeah Roma won today 1-0 Smalling yep Zaniolo got injured mm-hmm. again Inter drew I believe yeah maybe we'll we'll do yeah, yeah we'll do Europe a couple of uh, a couple of weeks in when there's enough to kind of chew into in terms of the tables and what team kind of separated themselves from the rest of the pack blah 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 but I'm just kidding. yeah fair enough all right I think we've got the the EFL cup to look forward to uh this oh this is week. that is that the For Tuesday stuff at least. no <laughs> yeah it is it is some teams yeah. have it sure. no no but there's yeah. actually isn't there oh no next week there's midweek so like Oh wow, Brighton are playing in the EFL Cup this early? Yeah, I think like some of the lower no, league teams Aston are in Villa, round two and then Southampton. Everybody's playing. Everything. Everybody's playing. Well, I mean almost everybody. I don't see any of the top top teams. But almost yeah. That's what I mean. Hmm. Interesting. Weird. I d I mean the twenty twenty two and I don't really know how the EFL Cup. I don't even Cup call works, it the EFL Cup. That's fine. <laughs> Still the Carling. What do you Cup. call it? Uh Okay, not the world. No, no, not going that far back. Just the Carling Cup. <laughs> Carling Cup, and Fair what's enough. the other one? The Charity Shield and the Community Shield? Like, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. None of that nonsense. Yeah. And no one calls it the Emirates FA Cup, because obviously. That is ridiculous. very ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, call anything, whatever you like, and uh, we'll chat to Bye-bye. you again next week. Cheers, man.